So today I want to uh, begin with a little bit of a test to see, um, well, you can pretend like we're at the DMV here, okay? And so we'll give you some signs, see if you recognize these signs, all right? So uh, here is the very first sign. This is easy. We'll start real simple. What is this? Stop sign. I know some of you think it's a kind of a stop sign, but it's actually a stop sign, right? Here's the next one. What is this one? Curvy roads ahead, which means speed up, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Here's the next sign. Left turn only. Okay, so, so far these have been pretty easy. The next one tends to be a little more confusing. So what are you supposed to do when you see this sign? It's kind of like panic, right? Especially if it's the first time you come across this. How about this sign? What does this one mean? I don't, not quite sure. Have you gone that fast, Phil? Have you gone that fast, Tim, on a bike to be able to fly behind it? I don't know. Here, this next one is interesting. It must be in a different part of the country that we live in. But the final one, see if you get this one. This is my favorite one right here. Brakeless trucks use freeway. That's a freeway that I want to be able to uh, stay off of. Well, Obviously, road signs like that, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to be able to help you clearly navigate wherever it is you're at, especially if you've never been there before, right? And you're supposed to be able to do that, you know, free of accident, free of problems, and especially free of any kind of confusion. Now, obviously, one set of those was very confusing. So as we talk about the end of time, the second coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus Christ. Um, I got to tell you, when you read through the, you know, the various signs that Jesus gives us about the end of time, I got to tell you, I honestly get confused an awful lot. For example, here's a part of the passage that we're going to look at today. Here's the words of Jesus. He says this, there will be signs, and so there's that word, right? Signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. Now, when you read those, so when I read those words, I'll say that. You know, I, I wonder, what exactly are they talking about? Now, I understand, we talked about this last week, that all the prophets in Scripture who foretold of events, whether in the immediate future or far-off future, and Jesus would be included in the words we're looking at in Luke 21, they used what was highly figurative language, sometimes referred to as apocalyptic language. In other words, it was intended to be very figurative, big, big, big kind of picture things, Right? But it's, it's so confusing when I read through some of that. In fact, I rarely ever preach about the end of time and the second coming just simply because, well, part of it I'm a little bit of a chicken. Part of it is because it's just confusing to me. Now, I try to read through the Bible every couple of years, you know, just kind of through some sort of reading plan. And whenever I come to the book of Daniel or whenever I come to the book of Revelation, I think, okay, this time I'm going to figure it out, right? I'm going to get the papers down. I'm going to write this stuff out. And I'll, I'll be studying, thinking, okay, I'm getting it. And then I come to stuff and it's just like, I do not, I don't get this. I don't understand this at all. So many years ago when we lived in Mexico, Missouri, there was a a small Christian radio station in that area. And there were these two guys, um, 
five days a week, morning time, usually at 8 o'clock, because I tended to hear it as I was driving into work or something, um, they spent every hour, five days a week, looking at the signs and the current events of what was happening worldwide, and they spent the entire hour, five days a week, talking about, okay, so this is connected to this prophecy and this prophecy, then we know this is going to happen and that. And I just thought, what a waste of time. Five days a week, a whole hour a day, 52 weeks a year, these guys were constantly talking about, okay, so we know this is happening and this means Jesus is going to come back then. Didn't Jesus himself say he didn't even know the day or the hour of his return? Now, I... I know that we need to be paying attention to the signs, but I have had a lot of discussion with some of you and with other Christians in which you would, if you were honest, say, you know what, it's confusing to me as well. I read through the book of Revelation, I read through that stuff, and it is completely confusing to me. And what we tend to do is, we tend to either do what I do, is we just kind of you know, almost pretend like it's not there. I have my specific formula about Jesus coming back, but I don't avoid it. Or we go the other way, we obsess with it. Like those two guys, we just spend all our time trying to figure out exactly when Jesus is coming back. And so this week, in my study of Luke 21, over the last actually few weeks, the end times teaching of Jesus, you know what? I've kind of changed my perspective. And I think God, as you really look at the teaching of Jesus, does that for us. So today we are finishing up this series called The End. Um, this life doesn't last forever. And it is such an important series for us to talk about, to be reminded of that. And again, this whole year we're spending in the Gospel of Luke. We're sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, our vision and picture for this year is that every single one of us as a church, whether you're here present or you're online, that we're spending time getting to know Jesus better because we know that the only thing that can help change our hearts and our minds is Jesus changing us from the inside as we get to know him better and study his word. Well, if you study the teaching of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, eventually you've got to talk about end times things. And so that's what we're doing right now. But at the core is this question as we study it, am I living for you know, the present, this moment, or am I living for eternity? And that really changes our perspective and our view of this life. And so the first week in this series, what we learned was that living with this eternal perspective, knowing that there's more to this life, there's something to come. It, it helps us to, to see reality. We don't get so caught up in things that are not real that are on this earth. And then last week, as we took a look at the near future events Jesus was talking about in regard to the destruction of Jerusalem, what we learned is that strength comes from trusting in the eternal. In other words, God's in control no matter what's happening and how difficult or fearful it might be about the end of time. We can trust in God. We can put our trust in Him and gain that strength because God is always in control. So when it comes to these confusing signs about the return of Jesus Christ, here's the lesson that I want us to learn today from Luke 21, and it is don't try to predict the return of Jesus. Let's prepare for it. Let's get ready for it. 
See, I think Jesus' goal is for us to have joy and peace in our life while we're on this earth. I think that's what he wants, you know, that you may live life and live it to the abundantly. And the only way we can do that is by living the Jesus way. That's the only way. And that's this Jesus who's someday going to come back. And when he comes back the second time, he's not going to come back as a babe. He's going to come back as a ruler. But we don't have anything to fear. Because he's the one who invites us into his world and invites us to receive him as our Lord and as our Savior. And so, you know, the whole goal of this series is to help every single one of us prepare our hearts for the return of Jesus, whether it's today or whether it's after our lifetime. And so today we're going to talk about these signs, but you need to remember that these signs are to help us prepare, not to predict, right? These signs are to help us anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ, not, you know, have this anxiety. And so let's let's dig in. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21, and let's dig into this together. Now, we talked last week, and we kind of set this up, that Luke 21 uh, is a mix of Jesus talking about things that are going to happen in the immediate future, the destruction of Jerusalem, and those things that will happen in the far-off future, his second coming. And in fact, it's an answer, his words are an answer to a question that was asked um, up in verse 7 of this passage. But here's how Matthew records the question that these guys asked. They're sitting together and they said, when will this happen? So that's specifically to the destruction of Jerusalem. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of this age? And so what we, as we come to this portion, beginning in verse 25 of Luke 21, What we come to is Jesus now talking about the second coming, what's going to happen at the end of time. So how do we know that? Well, there's a couple of ways we know that. Number one, because the audience changes, all right? Uh, Look beginning in verse 25. He says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring tossing of the seas. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. In other words, he changes from talking about just the region around Judea and Jerusalem to the whole earth, right? Everybody will see and know this. He, he goes from talking about just what's going to happen to the Jewish nations, or at least the Christians who are just living in that region, to all people. In other words, the audience has suddenly broadened. Another way we know he's talking about the second coming is very obvious. Look who's going to come in a cloud, verse 27. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. In other words, everybody's going to see Jesus coming in a cloud, which is a picture, of course, the disciples don't have this yet, of what will occur and a promise that will come from the angels. So this isn't too long before Jesus will die on the cross, be buried and raised from the dead. He'll be here for 50 days, but he ascends up into heaven, and here's what Luke records the promise of the angel in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. Men of Galilee, okay, so this is angel speaking. They're speaking to the, at least the apostles, if not another group of people there, right? And what are they doing? They're standing there like this with their mouths open looking up into heaven because Jesus has just gone up in the clouds. He says, men of Galilee, the angel said, 
Why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. In other words, it's not that long down the road where the angel will give the same promise that Jesus said someday he's going to come back like he left. In a cloud, everyone will see him. The Son of Man will return to this earth. And this is not the only place in Scripture in the New Testament that talks about the return of Jesus Christ. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. The next chapter, chapter 5, Paul says this, For you know very well that the day of the Lord, another way of referring to the second coming of Jesus, will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day will surprise you like a thief. Why? Because Jesus is giving us these signs. Then Peter says this, 2 Peter 3, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise... We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So again, verse 27 gives us this picture of the Son of Man is the reference that Jesus uses. Here's verse 27 again in which he says, at that time they will see the Son of Man. Now, Jesus uses that phrase to describe himself, but he pulls it from a prophecy that Daniel gives to us. Back in Daniel chapter 7, see the children of Israel have been in captivity, or they will be, for a total of 70 years because of their sinfulness. And so God gives to Daniel several visions. There's some crazy visions in the book of Daniel. But here's what he says in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. In my vision, so this is Daniel, At night I looked, and there before me was, here it is, one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. In other words, Jesus is pulling from the prophecy, which of course he would have given to Daniel, being God, to say, the son of man is me. I'm the one who will be coming back in the clouds. I'm the one who will be returning to this earth. In fact, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 40, Jesus says this, you must also be ready because, here's that phrase again, the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. So we know He's talking about the second coming now. But a third reason we know that He's talking about the second coming is how we're supposed to react to it. We react to it. So before, when He was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, What what were the Christians supposed to do when they saw the armies beginning to form around Jerusalem? What were the Christians supposed to do? They were supposed to get out of there. They were supposed to flee, right? They were supposed to run because the, the judgment was coming on the Jewish people and the city of Jerusalem. But notice what he says 
there in verse, 20, um, in verse 28. He says, when these things begin to take place, he doesn't say run. He says, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He says, when you know that Jesus Christ is coming back, and I think it's going to be so obvious we're not going to miss it at all, it's, it's like I don't have to hang my head in fear. I can lift my head up and I can look up and I can just stand there and think, come back, Lord Jesus, I'm ready for you because you're my Lord and my Savior. I don't have to fear. I don't have to hang my head in shame or hiding because he is my Savior. It, to me, it's the picture of like a dad coming home from work and their three- or four-year-old son hears the door open and knows dad's coming in. What do they do? They run to dad. They lift up their heads because dad's going to grab them in their arms. That's the picture that we need to have of the return of Jesus, that we welcome that. And so he doesn't want us to get caught up in this ignoring game like I sometimes am guilty of or this prediction game. In fact, Jesus goes on, verse 29, he tells this parable. He told him a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So what are all these things that he's talking about here? Well, you go back up to those verses. You know, the sun, moon, and stars, the nations being in anguish, the roaring and tossing of the sea, you know, people fainting from terror, apprehensive about what is coming. There's a part of it where you almost say, ah, that, that's been taking place since Jesus spoke these words, hasn't it? I mean, life has at times been crazy, at least in the era that you and I know about, it's like these kind of things have been taking place. And so it's one of those things where we do need to pay attention, right? We do need to see what's going on here. And yet at the same time, it's almost like God has been giving us this signal since he left the earth. So I don't know how many of you, anybody get to see the super blood moon this past week, anybody know that that was happening? Here's a picture of the super. Anybody know that that was happening here? Oh, good. Thank you. Maybe you didn't see it, I thought. Maybe, maybe I was looking at the wrong year of newspaper. I'm not quite certain. I didn't get to see it, but, you know, there was a, a news article that started this way that said something like, super blood moon means biblical prophecy says the end of world will come tomorrow. Now, I know they were being facetious and making fun of Christians, right? In fact, they even quoted a couple of pastors who were talking about how, you know, God gives us these signs in the heaven and, you know, they indicate that Jesus is coming back. And so the article, what it was doing was it was uh, debunking pastors who said that kind of stuff in Scripture by saying, well, we know what causes a super blood moon. It's because of the way the atmosphere is and these various things. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you sound smart and intelligent, and you know that that's true. But could it be that maybe the God who created the super blood moon and the eclipses and all the different events that we see in the heavens did that 
So his people would say, you know what? It's going to happen someday. And I need to be ready. Now, Jesus wants us to pay attention to the signs. I think they're going to be so cataclysmic that there's no way we will ever miss exactly what is happening at that particular time. But it's a reminder. It's kind of like what he wants us to know. It's going to happen. Now, there's a very challenging verse in here, and maybe you noticed it or not, but verse 32 where he says, Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. I don't know about you, but that's tough for me. Because it's like, I know Jesus hasn't come back. Now, periodically, when I can't find my wife in the house, I think, well, maybe the rapture has occurred and I missed it. Because of the two of us, she would definitely be the one that would be chosen. But it's like, okay, I know Jesus has not come back. And so you, you read that and you say, okay, I believe God's word is true. You know, we don't know whether Jesus spoke all of these words at once, right? If Luke put together a couple of different messages, I, I don't really know. What we do know is this, that God is in control of all things and that his word is true. And that though that generation obviously saw the destruction of Jerusalem, which is probably what that references to. We know that there will come a generation, maybe ours, that will witness the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. And we need to know again that this life doesn't last forever. I'm standing inside Fort Sills National Cemetery, uh, you know, and talking about end times uh, and thinking of what do I want to share and what stands out to me and what what can I what can I talk about? I uh, immediately thought of here. We look at life and we think that we have um, tomorrow. We have whenever, but you know we know that tomorrow isn't promised. The next hour isn't promised, and uh, that time can stop at any time. And, you know, end times, Jesus didn't even know when the end times were. He had no idea. And we don't know when it's going to happen. And um, many of us, many of you like me, have seen death happen in an instant. And for me, it was when I was 15. I had just turned 15, and I woke up on a Sunday morning uh, to watch my dad have a massive heart attack. And then he was gone. And you don't know when it's going to happen. There was no warning. It just happened. We just woke up and it was happening. And um, it makes me look at life and not try and put things off and not try to think that, oh, I can do it later because the, we don't know about later. We, we are but a mist. And, um, we, you know, living for Jesus now, you know, we can sit there and say, oh, well, I'll uh, start reading my Bible next week. I'll start giving more time to Jesus next, next month. Or, you know, when I get done with this, then I'll have more time for Jesus. Or I'm focused on this right now in work and in school. Like, too much is going on, but life is always going to happen. There's always going to be something going on. It's up to us to make our faith walk a priority. We don't know when death is going to happen, and we don't know when the end times are going to come. But what we do know is that we have right now. And I encourage you to really look at that and focus on that. And what can you do right now to improve your walk with Jesus? Because you are but a mist. And we don't know when the end times are going to come. And just like me, 
I, just like me, you guys need to do it too, of just evaluating where you're at in your faith walk and where you need to be and where you should be and stop with the excuses of later. Time is a gift. Don't take things for granted with your walk with Christ. Focus on it now. What can you do now to prepare your faith and become better because you don't know when things are going to change? So what can we do now? Knowing that well, I think there's some things that Jesus teaches us. I think the first thing is that we need to be careful. Look what he says in verse 34. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of this earth. It's such a picture of that being weighed down, right? The anxieties and the cares and the things of this life can really weigh us down. I mean, what's one of the reasons why people carouse and get drunk? It's to, you know, medicate the pain that they feel because of the problems and the struggles that they face in this life. I mean, it's to try to end those problems, but for us... We need to be careful in that we have this eternal perspective that understands, you know what, there's more to this life and what happens now, you know, it, it's like I, I don't want to get so caught up in some of those things. I want to make sure my focus is on Jesus Christ. Another thing that we need to do is always be on our watch, verse 36. That's how he starts it, be always on the watch. It's the idea of being alert, the idea of being awake. The idea of I'm paying attention, knowing that, you know what, Jesus could come back today and looking at my heart and my life, but it's also recognizing, you know what, it may be many years, but I still want to make sure that I'm always on the watch, and then finally we need to pray for the strength to continue on. He goes on in verse 36, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. I mean, that element of prayer is so crucial. That's one of the reasons why we're challenging you. One of our challenges over the next several months is to give five minutes to Jesus in the month of June. In fact, that sheet of paper right over there, we did this last week and we want to challenge you again. Before you leave today, if you're willing to give five minutes to Jesus in the month of June, go over there and write that down, put your name on there because we want to, we want to spend that time and it's a part of that time is saying, Lord, help me to have the strength to face what is coming because as scripture teaches it's going to be difficult and i love the phrase though he says standing before the son of man so often we picture judgment which will occur at the end of time but when jesus is our savior that standing before the son of man and before jesus isn't a picture of judgment it is a picture of deliverance for all of us don't Predict the return of Jesus, but prepare. You know, the question we have to wrestle with is, are, are we ready? You know, when we accept Jesus Christ, that is the step of readiness for us. But daily living the way Jesus wants us to is so very crucial. So I've done a ton of graveside services. You know, you saw the picture of the graveside where Brandy was at over the years for people, and there is such a difference between a graveside service for a believer and one who is not a believer. 
So whenever I come to a gravesite for a believer, I always read this passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 15 because it is filled with such hope. And I want to read that to us, and then we're going to worship together. We're going to kind of reflect upon a song here in a moment. But here's the words that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. It's the picture of understanding of eternity, right? Listen, I tell you a mystery. He says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be, say this out loud with me, we will all be changed, right? He says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Right? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And my prayer as a church family is that we would look at our hearts today and we would reflect and say, am I ready? Have I done what God has asked me to do? Have I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior? If you haven't done that, we want to talk to you about that. Have, you know, are there things in my life that I recognize I'm living for the moment? I'm not living for eternity. So I'm going to pray for us, and Phil and Emily and Sarah are going to share a, a very old hymn. Maybe you're familiar with it, but it's one that I think speaks specifically into, am I ready? What does God have in mind for me? And as, as we listen to that song, and if you want to join them, you can but use it as a time to reflect and to consider what God's work is on your heart. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we love you and we thank you for the hope of eternity, the knowledge and the certainty of your return. And Father, our need to be ready. Father, that our hearts are ready for you. Lord, that we can lift up our faces when we see you return with great joy and hope and anticipation. And so, Lord, thank you for this promise. Use it, Father, to instill in us a desire to live your way every day of our life. In your most precious name we pray, amen.
Beautiful. 